last night the president spoke and we've heard that the president had some regrets one of which is the division in this nation and how he feels he was not able as he had promised he would or set out on course to do something very challenging which was to unite this nation and there was a lot that we can take away from this president's speech last night it was very well received higher than 53 percent approval rating of that speech it was one of the most talked about watched tweeted you know commented on social media state presidential state of the unions in 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 the state of this president's union and for many years gone by and even the response by the the republicans was uh watched and commented on more so than any other uh republican or even uh opposition state of the uh, union response in many years with that final plea president obama last night issued a passionate plea to you and me it was to we the people we the voters and what he said is we've got to bridge that divide in american politics that's what he's hoping as he leaves office his ambitions have been hobbled sometimes by congress he expressed regret about his own role in the dysfunction politically of washington and that landscape and he lambasted republican presidential candidates who he said are adding to the trouble. One such was Donald Trump. Some would say this is not only the State of the Union, but the state of Donald Trump or the state of the Union if Donald Trump were to run the Union. And one area that it would seem everyone seems to agree on is that we must reject the politics of discrimination. Here is President Obama on that last night cut one. That's why we need to reject any politics. any politics that targets people because of race or religion. Let let me just say this. This is not a matter of political correctness. This is a matter of understanding just what it is that makes us strong. The world respects us, not just for our arsenal. It respects us for our diversity and our openness and the way we respect every faith. His Holiness Pope Francis told this body from the very spot that I'm standing on tonight, that to imitate the hatred and violence of tyrants and murderers is the best way to take their place. When politicians insult Muslims, whether abroad or our fellow citizens, when a mosque is vandalized or a kid is called names, that doesn't make us safer. That's not telling it what, telling it like it is. It's just wrong. It diminishes us in the eyes of the world. It makes it harder to achieve our goals. 
it betrays who we are as a country. I have to say, I got emotional when I saw it last night, that part. I'm emotional again when I hear it because we're better than that. And we should be better than that. And when he quoted the Pope about tyrants, about those who are barbaric, about those we expect this from, I think one four-letter name comes to mind for all of us, and that is ISIS. Americans are fearful. We hear about attacks just this week in Istanbul against tourists, one Peruvian, nine Germans against a Jewish man and others week after week that pledged their allegiance to ISIS, whether they were trained by ISIS, recruited by ISIS, radicalized by ISIS, or instructed to go forth by ISIS. We see polls of young Muslims in some Arab nations that think ISIS is trying to get the world or their world back to the teachings of Islam. And when we hate, we help those polls. Donald Trump and many of his supporters, I don't care how you want to package it and what color the bow you want to wrap it in, are hating. When people say, oh, let's do away with political correctness, what are they really saying? Let's call a spade a spade. Do you know what I'm saying? The president was very clear with ISIS. Donald Trump will tell you that we won't defeat them and spread fear, as many on the right will. He'll even say that it's not even our responsibility, it's Putin's now. He said he'd, he would defeat them. No. President Obama made it clear who will defeat them. The United States will. Here's what he said with that. Take two. But the American people should know that with or without congressional action, ISIL will learn the same lessons as terrorists before them. If you doubt America's commitment or mine to see that justice is done, just ask Osama bin Laden. Ask, ask the leader of al-Qaeda in Yemen, who was taken out last year, or the perpetrator of the Benghazi attacks, who sits in a prison cell. When you come after Americans, we go after you. And it may take time, but we have long memories, and our reach has no limits. Now, the president spoke about many things, and like I said, one of the things, uh, you know, he, he felt was, you know, broken and dysfunctional is our political system. He offered many ways to fix things last night, his pitch to fix structural reforms to our political system, and those, he says, even those in Washington don't like, by the way. Um, and there were a lot of takeaways from his speech. We want to play pieces of that speech and share more from last night's State of the Union address. Uh, this is the president speaking specifically about a better politics. We the people, our Constitution begins with those three simple words. Words we've come to recognize mean all the people, not just some. Words that insist we rise and fall together, that that's how we might perfect our union. And that brings me to the fourth and maybe most important thing that I want to say tonight. The future we want, all of us want, 
opportunity and security for our families, a rising standard of living, a sustainable, peaceful planet for our kids. All that is within our reach. But it will only happen if we work together. It will only happen if we can have rational, constructive debates. It will only happen if we fix our politics. A better politics doesn't mean we have to agree on everything. This is a big country. Different regions, different attitudes, different interests. That's one of our strengths, too. Our founders distributed power between states and branches of government and expected us to argue, just as they did, fiercely, over the size and shape of government, over commerce and foreign relations, over the meaning of liberty and the imperatives of security. But democracy does require basic bonds of trust between its citizens. It doesn't, it doesn't work if we think the people who disagree with us are all motivated by malice. It doesn't work if we think that our political opponents are unpatriotic or trying to weaken America. Democracy grinds to a halt without a willingness to compromise. Or when even basic facts are contested. Or when we listen only to those who agree with us. Our public life withers when only the most extreme voices get all the attention. And most of all, democracy breaks down when the average person feels their voice doesn't matter, that the system is rigged in favor of the rich or the powerful or some special interest. Too many Americans feel that way right now. It's one of the few regrets of my presidency that the rancor and suspicion between the parties has gotten worse instead of better. I have no doubt a president with the gifts of Lincoln or Roosevelt might have better bridged the divide. And I guarantee I'll keep trying to be better so long as I hold this office. But my fellow Americans, this cannot be my task or any president's alone. There are a whole lot of folks in this chamber, good people, who, who would like to see more cooperation, would like to see a more elevated debate in Washington, but feel trapped by the imperatives of getting elected, by the noise coming out of your base. I know, you've told me. It's the worst kept secret in Washington. And a lot of you aren't enjoying being trapped in that kind of rancor. But that means if we want a better politics, and I'm addressing the American people now, if we want a better politics, it's not enough just to change a congressman or change a senator or even change a president. We have to change the system to reflect our better selves. 
We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to take some of your calls, hear more from the president. If you're holding, hang on. You want to join us, 888-6LESLIE. What points do you feel were President Obama's strongest from the State of the Union last night? 888-6LESLIE. And what were his weakest? 888-653-7543. And what about the GOP response from South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley? 888-6LESLIE. Was the appointment of Vice President Joe Biden to lead the fight against cancer a strong and profound move by President Obama? And will it lead to substantial change? Will we be able to accomplish the moonshot? 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. By the way, did you hear that President Obama offered money to Joe Biden? Uh, for his son and during that time. Uh, did, okay, that was out today. Uh, Pre- Pre- uh, Vice President Biden had spoke about that. Uh, did President Obama do a, good, do a good job promoting, as you just heard in that soundbite, better politics, even pointing out that many of our congressmen are tired of the vice that big business has on our politics, the grit that it has on them. 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. How can we, America... Get our nation to a place where we have a better and more substantial debate, as the president calls for. Why does it have to be so vitriolic? Why do we have to be so hate-filled? Why do we have to be so nasty when we disagree? Isn't that what this nation is about? Freedom of these thoughts. Freedom of this speech. Freedom to be different and disagree, to be individuals. Freedom to be free. 8886 Leslie, 8886537543 is the number. And you heard the president denounce political hot air. He said we need to reject any politics that targets people because of race or religion. Does his message or even the response in that portion of Governor Nikki Haley's response regarding Trump, it would seem, of a diverse and welcoming country, trump that of the Donald? And of Ted Cruz, 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. And did President Obama do a good job highlighting the social progress that we've had made in the past seven years in this nation during his presidency? 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Marriage equality, the minimum wage, criminal justices ban the box, 888-6-LESLIE. Did the president do a strong enough job making we, the American people, to get involved in the political process. In other words, did anything he say inspire you to vote or to become a more informed voter? 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. And we'll play some from her response. But what did you think of Nikki Haley, the governor of South Carolina's GOP response? 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Break. We'll be back to you. Your calls, your tweets, and more audio from last night right after this. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE. what you thought were the strengths and weaknesses, what you liked best, etc. Let's go to the calls. Line one in Washington is Paul. Paul, good afternoon and welcome. Hi, Leslie. Well, I took this, the address this way. In so many oblique suggestions, the president highlighted how, what a do-nothing party the Republicans have been. 
And here's how I'll start. He said, we've accomplished much, but I, I mean, I, can't, I don't have it in front of me, so I can't quote, but I'll say, we've accomplished much, but we still have a lot of work to do. And then he, he made a laundry list, a litany, literally, of stuff to work on, and the first thing on that list was immigration. Now, what's important about that is that it, it, it was driven home and highlighted by Nikki Haley's response. That's what she talked about. But immigration is the bread and butter of the new Republican campaign, yet in a years of controlling Congress, really beyond uh, with, with respect to that, they've offered absolutely nothing for immigration, nothing. Yet this is what they're running on. They have a Congress that could, because the, uh, they have a, a, the, the largest majority in the House in over 90 years, they have a, a large enough majority in the Senate that if they wanted to pass an immigration bill, they could do it because it's going to include funding. They could do it with the nuclear option and put a bill on his desk. The only bill they put on his desk is to repeal Obamacare. They put, they put no bills on his desk with respect to any of the issues that he's mentioned, not, not even their own issues. Barack Obama has a total of seven vetoes after seven years in office. Ronald Reagan had 78 vetoes. So, Paul, we're going to take a break. Paul, hang on. Can you hang with us? Because I know you have more to say, and I wanted to ask you a couple of questions. If you're holding, by the way, everyone, stay there. You want to join us? 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. And tweet us. Follow me at Leslie Marshall. We'll incorporate your tweets throughout the hour. Don't go away. We're talking about the president's State of the Union last night. Let's get back to the calls. And we were talking with Paul in Washington on line one. Paul, thank you for holding. Welcome back. Yeah. How are you doing? Good. Well, okay. So let me just uh, sum up here. I think what the president did, and I say when you read between the lines, is to show uh, that it's really been the Congress and the Republican Party that has not only been obstructive, but they've been – they've had this – don't just do something, stand there, attitude for the last seven years. Uh, and, and they've actually, and, and then at the same time, they want to say, well, we've done nothing. They've, they wanted to re- repeal Obamacare. They've offered nothing. It's not like we've, we've seen the, a big fight between the president and the Republicans on any particular issues where the president dug in his heels and said, nope, 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 and had to veto a bunch of bills. And we've, and we've seen... Uh, the leadership on the other side, on the Republican side, saying, oh, no, this is the way we want. They have really had not had any kind of a fight like that that we might have seen with Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill. We've, they've actually put nothing on the president's desk just so he can't stand and dig in his heels. They've offered nothing. And he gave that uh, laundry list of stuff. And I, I, I wanted to point out one of the parts of the speech that I, I smiled and I enjoyed is when he pointed out, about uh, and that's what I mean by oblique suggestions. He said, uh, when the when the Russians beat us to space, uh, we didn't just uh, ignore it and say they're not there. <laughs> Read climate change. We got down into the science, 
And in 12 years, we put a man on the moon. Now, think about this. In, in the 12 years between 1957 and 1969, we had two uh, Republican administrations and two Democratic administrations, and we got the job done, so to speak. We started with uh, Dwight Eisenhower, uh, John Kennedy, uh, and President Johnson, and in Richard Nixon's term, we landed a man on the moon. And I was thinking, he said, we could have a national project to cure cancer, and that is within our reach. It really is. By 2032, we could have a national program and probably cure most forms of cancer. But what is the Republican suggestion for a national project? A wall. A wall. In 2032, what is the wall going to mean to this country? I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. That, that's their well, Paul, speaking to the cancer thing, yeah. I, I, and also because you know, you, you've mentioned the Republicans, Paul Ryan, the House Speaker, mm-hmm. sat there and clapped a couple of times. One of which was when the president said that, you know, they, they should not be discriminating. Uh, another time, I think, when he talked about, you know, the, the, the parties working together and not, you know, hey, the mil- actually the military. Thank you, Mark. But he didn't even clap about cancer, no. research, finding a cure. <laughs> no, he, no he, was, he was completely, well. Speaking least- of what did you think of him and in, in, in his, uh, you know, his nonverbal communication? Because we definitely see that when the president speaks, we all look not just at him, but at the vice president and the House Speaker. Well, I have to, you know, in, in, uh, you know, in all honesty, because I, I don't have good eyes, it's hard for me to see the television, you know, so I listen. And I am, but I, I was aware that, and there were, there were remarks afterwards, before and afterwards, that Paul Ryan was uh, was working on keeping his poker face, and so now, and there were the same remarks were that he was successful with it afterwards, and now you're bringing it up again. So I, in all honesty, I, I can't see uh, with my eyes people's expressions on television. Let alone, you know, if you're sitting across the table from me, I really can't. So okay, well, I, I wasn't oh, I wasn't aware of that. Okay, what about the Repub- What about the? And before I let you go, before, what about the Republican response? Nikki Haley. Well. You know, on the one hand, she, she she went right to immigration. Like I said, that's why we have to we we have to say that Donald Trump has has labeled the party or has defined the party that immigration is their bread and butter issue. And Nikki Haley, she she, she was two sides of a weird coin. On the one hand, she says we really need you know Republicans are to blame for part of this too, and we need to uh, we, we need to have a, a I don't know she was uh, an accepting attitude towards immigrants. Yet we cannot accept refugees, so we don't know what their intention is. Uh, so on the one hand, we have to we have to be open to the immigrants, but go ahead and go back to your xenophobic and jingoistic attitudes because that's what this party is about. That was what I took her her response is that she tried to uh, act like we're you know she tried to get pay lip service to the idea that we need to be open and have a, and, and observe our traditional American values as being a fair-minded nation yet at the same time she says that we can't de- we can't decide what the uh, intentions of a refugee a woman who's from a war zone or a child from a war zone which most of the refugees are we can't decide what their intentions are ridiculous all right thank you thank you uh, i appreciate your call uh let's continue with the calls and we go to georgia with reggie line two reggie good afternoon how hello doing, reggie happy hump day hey hi how you doing well did he bring up anything about web about guns last night in his final speech I mean, final uh, State of Union address speech, you know, like he should have yesterday. Or did you you didn't hear anything about that? Well, a lot of people were talking. Uh, people were talking. There were two disappointments. I think uh, the, the the lack of discussion about how we need more gun control, and then some people were unhappy with some of his comments about Iran. Right, and 
and I, you know, I wish he would have talked about that too, along with, well, at least he kept us, you know, at least he kept us safe from having yet another 9/11 style attacks. But why haven't he? Why he? Why hasn't he been praised on that? I mean, you know, keeping us safe from another 9/11 style attack. You know, buildings coming down and what? Well, he talked. He talked about defeat. He talked about how America is great. How America will defeat ISIS. He talked about our military and talked about strength. Right. But I wish that the Republicans would get behind him on those those issues. Well, the Republicans clap on military, you know, they, right. they always do. Right. But that's about it. They can clap. I mean, can't they clap on anything else besides the military? I know they're in love with the military, but there are other things, <laughs> more important things going on in the world besides the military, like, uh, well, you know, discrimination, Islamophobia, uh, uh, homophobia, you know, xenophobia, you know, sexism, all that stuff. Why don't they just get behind him and try to eradicate these things, these isms? So well, interestingly people... enough, Paul Ryan did say, Nikki, Nikki Haley did say, and it would seem the Republican Party is uh, more in step with Democrats when it comes to not discriminating. Right. Uh, but then, but then you got to look at what portion of those that label themselves as Republicans, if they in fact all do, uh, that have uh, such a high opinion of Donald Trump, who is uh, definitely. Uh, walking to a different beat of a different drum with regard to discrimination, uh, specifically uh, against uh, Latinos and Muslims. Yeah, but you know, people should turn their turn their backs on him and the kind of the stuff. Well, I think we doing. saw a back turning of Trump. I think we saw it by uh, Priebus from the RNC, um, you know, applauding uh, Nikki Haley. I think we saw it from uh, Nikki Haley. And you know, let's let's not be idiots here. Nobody gets up and puts out a response and just says whatever the heck they want. There there are going to be a couple of people that say okay. And I would imagine Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell were at least two of them, if not right. Priebus from the RNC uh, as well. Anything else, Reggie? Yeah, I mean, you know, why, you know, but of course he's been criticized and attacked for his final state of union address speeches, like the. Well, of course, uh, uh, come on, Reggie. Reggie, any yeah. president is going to be praised yeah. and attacked for their State of the Union speech. Every speech, especially the final one, that people that don't like the president or people that don't like Democrats, um, yeah. people don't like people of color, are going to attack this guy. And of course, there are those that voted for him or agree with him or believe in what he said that are going to applaud him. That that's part of the political process, unfortunately. Right. And I'm, I I applaud and commend Nikki Haley for standing up to Trump at least. If one person has the, well, the gall to do that, then other people should too. I mean, why are they so afraid of this man? I mean, you know, standing up to him in terms of what he says, you know, about people that he does, that he rarely or hardly ever knows, you know, just from what he hears or sees, you know, or watches or reads about him. I mean, why can't people stand up to him like Nikki Haley did, despite the criticism that he's going to get from that later, later on? I mean, you know, stand by your convictions and your principles, right? Right. You know, okay. why, can't they, why can't they do that? Uh, I, I, I hear you, Reggie, but I think what you're asking for is a utopia and fairness in a non-utopic, unfair world. Reggie, thank you for the call. We're going to take a break. We'll be back. More calls, 888-6-LESLIE, and we will hear more. Actually, going into the break, uh, let's see um, what we should pick here. Uh, I'm sorry. Mark, what's our... We can play the clip about the economy if you'd like. I was I was looking at uh, time uh, here. Actually, no. I think what we should play going into the break is uh, how the president talks about something that shouldn't be utopic, which is the need for voting to be easier, right? Why don't we play that one going into the break? We've got to make it easier to vote, not harder. We need to modernize it for the way we live now. 
This is America. We want to make it easier for people to participate. And over the course of this year, I intend to travel the country to push for reforms that do just that. But I can't do these things on my own. Changes in our political process. In not just who gets elected, but how they get elected. That will only happen when the American people demand it. It depends on you. That's what's meant by a government of, by, and for the people. Leslie Marshall. Real people. Real life. Real talk. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE. Happy Hunt Day. We're talking about the President's State of the Union uh, last night. You know, we get a lot of lies, and one of the things that no one can deny is the State of the Union economically is better. Here's President Obama, uh, cut four, talking about anyone who says the economy is declining is lying. Let me start with the economy and a basic fact. The United States of America, right now, has the strongest, most durable economy in the world. We're in the middle of the longest streak of private sector job creation in history. More than 14 million new jobs, the strongest two years of job growth since the 1990s, an unemployment rate cut in half. Our auto industry just had its best year ever. That's just part of a manufacturing surge that's created nearly 900,000 new jobs in the past six years. And we've done all this while cutting our deficits by almost three quarters. Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. Now. What is true, and the reason that a lot of Americans feel anxious, is that the economy has been changing in profound ways. Changes that started long before the Great Recession hit, changes that have not let up. Today, technology doesn't just replace jobs on the assembly line, but any job where work can be automated. Companies in a global economy can locate anywhere, and they face tougher competition. 
As a result, workers have less leverage for a raise. Companies have less loyalty to their communities. And more and more wealth and income is concentrated at the very top. All these trends have squeezed workers, even when they have jobs, even when the economy is growing. It's made it harder for a hardworking family to pull itself out of poverty, harder for young people to start their careers, tougher for workers to retire when they want to. And although none of these trends are unique to America, they do offend our uniquely American belief that everybody who works hard should get a fair shot. For the past seven years, our goal has been a growing economy that also works better for everybody. We've made progress, but we need to make more. I think the president definitely talked about strength and weaknesses and, uh, and like, you know, one person even you know, almost complained, uh, listing so many things that need to be done. Let's continue with the calls in Phoenix. Charlie's on line one. Charlie, good afternoon. I, I was going to call. I was going to talk about the, the speeches last night, but just on that topic really quick, he used the word change a lot. The economy is changing, not necessarily growing. And I, I just got done listening to a show here where they were just doing surveys. Are you better off than you were 10 years ago? And it was barely 50-50. Now, on the, on the, on the, on the comments last night, uh, both speeches I thought were good. I thought they had a lot of impact. But how does the talking heads out of nowhere say he was referring to Donald Trump or she was referring to Donald Trump when it, that name didn't come up in either speech? And then when the talking heads are, like, going, going, going on it, why didn't somebody just ask Obama or, or, or the governor if they were talking specifically about Trump. But no, the, the heads just ran off with this, and that was like the first half hour of everything was how were they picking on him? I mean, that really was irrelevant, isn't it? Well, I think that's just par for the course. When you have uh, any president, uh, sitting president speaking, you're, like, again, I said that before, I think it's par for the course. What do you mean there's 12 other people? I mean, well, why do the talking heads assume that when he said that people are talking evil, they, he, was talk, he was referring immediately to Trump? You know, I don't – the people that I've spoken to don't feel that way. The people that I feel – uh, that he but I've heard, he, it, on this, I've heard well, it on your show already this afternoon. Well, that was one person, but the, the majority of things that I've seen on social networking uh, and social media, it seems to be that you know the, the the hatred, if you will, would be coming from people of differing of views, which would mean another party, another ideology. Well, that would have been easy to say, but nobody said. I mean, did you watch it for an hour after it was over? All it was was about Trump this, Trump that, CNN, and I flipped all. Well, that's why I said at the beginning of the show, State of the Union, or as some people are calling it, State State of Trump, or State of what would happen to the Union under Trump, because the president definitely uh, was referencing him, I think, and his followers, and certainly the uh, the uh, GOP response was doing the same with uh, Haley. And then I'll finish up with this, but it is a changing economy, and it's not a growing economy. But you know, if Trump wants to call out. Uh, Obama or the governor, he'll say it without, like, batting an eye. These people have to blind it around. And that's the difference between honest politics and politics. 
I know. Well, well, you know what? I don't know how honest Donald Trump is, being that he's changed his tune and flip-flopped even sometimes within 72 hours like he did with Planned Parenthood as an example. I, I wouldn't consider uh, – I wouldn't put the word honest in Donald Trump in the same are sentence. You gonna, are you going to put the word flip-flop and compare it to any other politician? I have, certainly. Okay, so no other politicians flip-flop. Well, yeah, but Donald Trump's not a politician, and isn't that what you were referring to? Yes, but he's growing and he's learning. Well, he's growing, he's learning, he'll but he, he's, not gonna be, he's not going to be our president. He's not going to be our president. I don't know where that's coming from, but why wouldn't anybody ask if they were referring to him directly? I actually don't think he's learning. I think if anything, he's, he's either encouraging, much like ISIS does, uh, he's encouraging division, he's encouraging hatred, and he's encouraging a very ugly segment of American society. So now, Leslie, you as a talking head are comparing Trump to ISIS. Oh, I definitely think there are comparisons to be well, okay, made. Okay, no, I just want to make sure that that's what I heard. Oh, absolutely there are comparisons to be made. Just because he's not chopping off heads doesn't – I, 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 ISIS, want, ISIS wants people – you may call it radicalization. ISIS wants people to follow them, and ISIS loves power like money. They, they, they both are fear mongers, they both are egotistical, and they both prey on, and, and no offense to you, I wouldn't say uh, the most educated segment of our world's population. We're out of time. Sorry to those calls I didn't get to. Sorry, Mark. I know you had all those cuts from the president. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow here on The Only True Democracy and Talk Radio. We hope you will as well. Mark and Andrew are my great producers, and we appreciate all of you for listening, for calling, for tweeting, and for participating, whichever way you have. Have a great afternoon and evening. We've got all the news right here. I'm going to stop you right there. I see you about to settle on a day-old donut for breakfast. Well, this is a chicken intervention. Because McChicken Biscuits and Chicken McGriddles are now at McDonald's. So just hit that drive through and change your life. For breakfast, you got this. Wake up breakfast. Say good morning to McChicken for breakfast. Right now at your local McDonald's, you can mix and match two Chicken McGriddles or McChicken Biscuits for just $3. Price and participation may vary at participating McDonald's for a limited time.